0: Of this part of the service with the teaching last week, and I got lots of good feedback from y'all on that. And, um, anyways, the kids' ministry is a, is a big deal at Celebration Church, if you didn't know that. And I like to get over there a couple of times a year and uh, just be a part of it, just because I enjoy it. And so hopefully the kids learn something, but I had a great time. So uh, it was uh, it's a lot of fun. We've got kids' camp coming up. Cutie and I always go to that, and we have a blast with that. Uh, this is the part of the service. Where those that came prepared to give, that we do that. Giving is a big, big deal. It's because the, <clears throat> the truth is that God so loved that he gave. We are born, again, we are, we are new creations fully in his image. And so since God loves and gives, then giving should be a very natural, normal part of every believer. Nobody's left out of the possibility for generosity All of us have that place to be able to operate in generosity. And we always look at a chunk of scripture. We do that. But before we do that, I want to put up our building deal that we're still progressing on raising up our... Yes, we're still progressing. We still got some black dots. We want to turn into blue dots and green dots. And we're raising money towards the renovations and the chairs of the facility over there on Sunset, formerly known as Ashley uh, furniture so uh, continue to keep in prayer prayer for us as a ministry prayer for what God would want you to participate in and to be a part of that uh, there's already been a, a significant amount of generous giving and we are so thankful for that and looking forward to full completion and being able to close and get into that new facility and uh, but right now we're going to look at Acts 20:20, 20, 20. and it says for you know that I've not hesitated to preach anything ...that would be helpful to you but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Our announcements, John talked about the house to house part. Small groups where people connect in a more intimate setting. And uh, those aren't things that people just randomly walk in the doors of. But the open invitation to connect with the people of Celebration Church is right here on Sunday mornings. This is our publicly. And we've been very public. We're meeting in a movie theater... And we could find places to lease that were cheaper than this place. But we love just being in the flow of life. We're excited about that building and a place where people used used to just go and buy stuff. And right there in the flow of our community and be able to have an even more public thing. And it's our responsibility as believers to make sure that the gospel, the truth of what Jesus has done for us. And it is a life-changing, world-changing event. It's told to our community. And so part of this, of what we do, and and generosity makes the publicly and house to house thing happen. So as we give this morning, let's just recognize that this is part of our assignment. And so gentlemen, you can go ahead and pass those along. This is a great time to put your prayer requests in. But if you're first time with us, again, we want to give you a gift on the way out. So hang on to that. And we're now going to get into part five of this series we've just called Outrageous Things Jesus Said. And uh, how many of you enjoyed this? I've had a blast with this. This has been a fun series for me as a pastor. And so I've had a good time with this. And so I am enjoying it. And um, anyways, but... Most of the things, you know, we have this concept of, you know, what would Jesus do? And, you know, and we always will try to, you know, tell people that so that, you know, they're always extra sweet and nice and everything they do. But every once in a while, Jesus says some things that kind of jar us a little bit. And they just don't, you're like, Jesus, that just doesn't quite work with that, with what we think of you. And sometimes we've just got... We're just looking at it wrong. We just have the wrong perspective. And that's what we're getting into on these things is kind of getting our minds shifted so we see these things right. Because some of the things Jesus said just seemed completely outrageous because we were looking at them completely wrong. How many of you have ever misheard a song lyric? All right, we're in the right room then. How many of you have then done the embarrassing thing of boldly singing out the top of your lungs the lyric you were convinced was right in front of somebody yes and you get the look like where did where did that come from and so there was a my (coughs) kids recently had a debate on a uh, taylor swift song blank bass or something like that and there's some. Some little lyric in there, people can't quite agree on what it says. They think it's Starbucks lovers or star-cross lovers, or it has something to something. It's, it's that's the real one. Long list of ex-lovers, but you. It sounds like a it sounds like a plug for Starbucks if you listen to it. It said blah 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 Starbucks lovers, and she's cashing the checks from Starbucks and uh, pocketing that money, and so. Uh, Anyways, but growing up, my sister, my baby sister, um, we have this little thing in our household. Whenever something is misheard, we just kind of throw this little phrase out, and that that reminds us we need to rethink what just happened here. I don't think we heard it just right, because my baby sister um, was uh, singing a song, and uh, we grew up listening to a lot of country music, and uh, I know, I turned out okay anyways, and... uh, And so, and uh, anyways, but there was a song, old song called Juliet, and I think it was by the Oak Ridge Boys, and it had a song, a little lyric of Juliet, Juliet, she's got a smile that I can't forget, on the day we met, I made a bet, someday I would win the love of Juliet. So this song was played on the radio incessantly like most country songs are played on the radio incessantly and anyways and it was just during this time period and more of my little sister is just ripping it in the back seat and she's singing Juliet Juliet she gets to that line of I made a bet someday I'd win the love of Juliet and she's just singing it just meaning it with all her heart tomato in the love of Juliet and we're like tomato yeah, that's what it says. Tomato, tomato in the love of Juliet. And as dumb as that sounds, you have to you have to kind of give her a little room because it is a country song. It could have said tomato. Who knows if it rhymes and works in the cadence, They throw all sorts of stuff in there. And so <laughs> and uh, anyways, but in our in our household now, if we hear something wrong, my wife or I will go tomato in the love. And we're like, okay, we know, we know to kind of rethink what we think, what we're convinced we just heard correctly. And so we've been looking at everything to make sure we, we're here because sometimes we can kind of hear things wrong. We have our own perspective and we look at it through our own, our own lens or our own hurts or our own desires and we can kind of miss things. And we keep coming back to John three seventeen. Everybody knows John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the very next thought flow. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Everything that Jesus does and says, we have to look at through that lens of why Jesus said that he was there to begin with everything comes back if we don't if we look at the lens through any other lens we're going to miss it we can slip in condemnation we can slip in a bunch of judgmental stuff we can slip in a bunch of these things that aren't there in the heart of God that he came not to condemn the world but to save the world through him and today we're going to look at this at this truth, that Jesus went to an outrageous extreme to let us know that how we speak to each other matters. Jesus went to an outrageous extreme. Now we're going to now throw up on our screen something that is going to just shock you that would potentially come out of the mouth of Jesus. Shock you. Change the thought bubble. There it is. Are you appalled? Are you just absolutely squirming right now to make your stomach knot up just a little bit? That there's our our sweet Jesus saying, "Raka." I didn't think so, but it should. Let's get into this. Matthew five, twenty-two. Actually, we're going to jump into twenty-one. Says you've heard it said to those of old you shall not murder whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment so here's this one of the big ten one of the big ten commandments don't murder we're kind of all on page with that one just about every culture you go to murder is not a good thing So he says, you've heard it said. We're kind of all on this page. You're going to be in danger of the judgment. But Jesus is bringing this to what what the heart of God was really all about when he gave us the Big Ten. And we just reduced it that, you know, if I just keep my knife sheathed, then I'm going to be okay. If I don't pull the hammer on the Glock, I'm going to be okay. And it really goes further than that. It says, but I say to you, whoever is angry... With his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Oh my goodness, he's getting to the root of murder. He's bringing this home. He's messing up with this stuff. Because now most of us, all of us, have got in and had to deal with this one. few of us in the room, hopefully none of us in the room, have dealt with murder. God's love is bigger. But... uh so he's redefining things. Now he says the word and. So he's keeping on with this thought flow of redefining things. And he says, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, Raka, shall be in danger of the council or of the Sanhedrin. You know this to be the case in your Jewish culture. Somebody drops the R-bomb and we are hauling them in front of of the authorities we do not tolerate the R bomb in our society we don't talk to one another that way you don't say that four-letter word and here in this culture Jesus right there rabbi teacher just boom says it you want to get the punch in the gut that his audience just heard you take one of our English four-letter words Stick it up in that bubble. Now you feel that little, oh, Jesus. Ah. You're reading along in your English Bible. And you read along and you're reading English, 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 English. And you get to this word, raka. That is not English. It's Aramaic. Translators leave it alone. They go, English, 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 they go back to the original text. Whoa, raka, and move along. That's what they do with it. In fact, you read it in the NIV translation, English translation, it says Raka. King James Version, it says Raka. American Standard Version, it says Raka. The literal version of the Bible. The Bible, the version that dares to call itself the literal translation. Which all of the Bible translators felt like they were being literal about it. But this one went ahead and just took the title. We are the literal translation. And they said, Raka. They didn't literally do that one. Because it would make our skin crawl. If that word was in our Bible. All of them say Raka. All of them. You get into the English Standard Version. The ESV. Instead of the word raka, it says, whoever insults his brother. You know what we mean. Whoever's going to use vile language towards his brother just takes that phrase and substitutes it for the word raka. God's word translation says, whoever calls another believer an insulting name. We're going to have to get this whole concept out there and drop to substitute for the word raka. The Good News Bible says, if you call your brother a good for nothing, and put this phrase in there instead of raka. Nobody wants to touch the word raka. Because it's a cuss word. Jesus is standing up there teaching the kingdom of God. And to communicate to his people that were listening... He drops the R-bomb right in the middle of his most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount. It's PG-13 at best. Because he drops that one gimme in it. He drops, say, "rocka" twice, it goes to R. He does that. Raka is an Aramaic translation, transliteration for a term expressing contempt, scorn, or a disdain. This is that thing when you've got this big knot in, the, in your stomach and you are so mad at somebody and you want them to feel your disdain for them. That was the word in that language you grabbed. There are words in our English language that you can't hardly say them. Without automatically connecting, complete hatred and disdain, and just just I can't stand you. I want to. The other words aren't strong enough. I have to go grab this one so you really get it. Raka was that one in their language. It's a transliteration and it brings this Aramaic word, brings this Greek word and this Hebrew word together. And the Hebrew version of the root that they pull in means to spit. they just that angry, that vile. Was well, Jesus, we go back to our scripture, it says, And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Everybody knew that. You drop the R word at somebody and boy, people are just going to grab you and we're going to go and you're going to get your punishment because we don't talk to each other that way. But then Jesus, like murder, like later on where he does with adultery and he carries it to the heart issue. He says, whoever says, you fool. Every translation translates, you fool to the English of you fool. Why? Because it's not as harsh. It's a more acceptable term. It's still downgrading. It's still not good, but it's it's socially acceptable. I'm not going to drop the R word, but I'll slide this other thing in here and I, I kind of skirt having to be drug in front of the council. But he says, whoever says you fool will be in danger of hellfire. Fire. Like he says, with murder you hate in your heart, you're in danger of judgment. He brings this, he says, you're in danger. God is the one who's concerned about this. Forget your little council. Forget your little group of people who are trying to lower the level of naughtiness in your community. You need to be worried about God. You'd be worried to deal with this. He cares about how we interact with each other, the hate in our heart, how we speak to each other, these things. And this was such a big deal to Jesus that he was willing to mess with their little sensitivities and drop the R-bomb in the middle of it to get everybody's attention and say, you think that's so bad? You're so good that you don't ever say R-word to somebody? And yet you talk flippantly and negatively about all these different people. And that is... That is a much more big deal because you're not even guarding your heart. You're not even thinking about it. It's just flowing out. How we deal with each other matters. So he says this and then in the context of this, this amazing thing that Jesus says comes out. He says, therefore, if (coughs) if you bring your gift to the altar... You bring your gift to the altar. You're going to church. You got your Sunday go to meeting and us. You got your t shirt on. You put on your best tennis shoes, not your scroungy ones. Although somebody may be wearing scroungy ones, that's okay. And you come to church and you're ready to present your gift and you're gonna, it's all about you and God. I'm ready, I'm here at the altar. It's about me and God. God's a big deal and I know I'm a big deal to Him. And then we sit there and in the middle of that, remember that your brother has something against you. Remember that there's this place of tension. God, there's something here. And more than likely, it's going to be, it's going to come boiled down in the context of what he's saying of something you said. There's this tension, there's this place. You remember that your brother has something against you, and then we think, okay, he's going to say, well, say, I'm sorry, God. Nope. He says, leave your gift there before the altar, stop what you're doing. Walk out of worship service. Get up in the middle of Pastor Brandon preaching and go out and get on your phone and talk to that person and get this right. Leave your gift there on the altar and go your way and first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Wait a minute. I. When I'm tense and and I have problems with my brother in Christ, and I feel like I can just do something good for God, and and, and it kind of offsets it. He says, You can't hide in your relationship with me and leave these relationships with these other people I love. You can't use me as a shield to disregard all these other people that I love and have in your life. You can't do that. You're completely using it for the wrong thing. like but God I was showed up to the, to the place of worship. I've got my gift I'm doing something awesome. it's like wonderful. That's a good thing. I want you to finish that. follow through with it. but first go and be reconciled to your brother. First go and deal with that. It's not simply about not saying bad words. It's about saying things that build people up. It's about our words being used to encourage and to build up and being careful not to go in and to tear down something that the Holy Spirit is desperately trying to build up. The Holy Spirit is desperately trying to build up and draw into God every person. The person that drives you up the wall, the person that that you just like, man, they're the furthest away from God. Jesus died for them and God loves them so much and he wants to draw them into him. We can either be an agent to be a part of that or we can be an agent against it. Matthew 25 says, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or in needing clothes and clothe you? I don't remember this. He said, when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Thanks for giving us credit for this, God, but I'm pretty sure we didn't do this. I didn't do any of this for you. says the king will reply truly i tell you whoever did for you want, whoever whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did it for me at our marriage retreat we had one of the couples that spoke the wife was talking about a, a place where she had had a breakthrough And she began to just see that the way she spoke to her husband needed to equate the way she would speak to God. Not that she puts her husband in the role of God. But that she sees those words matter. Those words matter. I would never be flippant towards God, but I'm flippant towards my husband. i have never do this, but I'm, I'm that way over here. And all of a sudden things begin to shift as we just begin to see those things. What we've done for the least said, we've done for him. We can minister to God by just sharing love with those he loves. You can't do anything more wonderful for me and my wife than to bless my kids. There's just nothing greater that you can do than to bless our children. See, how we speak is just as important as what we say. Now, I've got just enough handyman skills to be dangerous. Just enough. Little projects don't intimidate me. I, I get my get my tools, get YouTube, how to fix this. It's worked a lot of times. Fixed my dryer that way, did some of these things this way. But I'll, cutie will tell me something needs to be addressed, and I'll tell her, I fixed it. And before she says, oh, Brandon, thank you, you're my hero. Swoon, swoon. She says, how did you fix it? Uh, How? Woman, I said it's fixed. What does this have to do with how? I said it's fixed, it's fixed. But she's been around long enough to know. We had to call a plumber a couple of weeks ago for a leak I fixed three times. <laughs> it's just the truth. It's like, it's fixed. We're good. Get that stinking text. It's still leaking. Mm. Smash the phone. <laughs> How matters. How completely matters. Ephesians four twenty nine says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Okay? So let's just all breathe easy. Okay? Paul had to remind the believers in Ephesus first century believers that they needed to watch the way they talked. So there's no prayer. We're not getting an old slap around here. First century believers had this issue, had to be reminded. Guess what? we got to be reminded too. So let's just not get defensive and let's just take it in. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So the person is benefiting, but also other people on the outside listen. The Word tells us that They will know, people around here will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. How amazing is it that as we as parents and as spouses and as friends out in public, as we deal kindly and lovingly with each other, there are people on the sidelines just taking it in, just listening. You're ministering more than you have any idea. When you just let the love of God show up in how you speak. First Corinthians 13 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Man, if I speak with the tongues of men and that's good, but I take it up a notch and I'm like in the heavenly kind of talking. But do not have love. I'm just a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It's just me going over there and beating those drums. Just, just clanging. It's nothing. I've heard it said before that people may not remember what you've said, but they will forever remember how you made them feel. Almost all of us have teachers growing up, that teachers we look back with fondly and teachers we look back with with not so much care. And I would imagine that 80% of us in the room can't remember a sentence any of those teachers said to us. We can't quote them verbatim on anything, but we do remember how they made us feel. That teacher that took the extra time, that person in our lives that took the extra time and just made us feel important and made us feel special. I don't remember anything they said, but man, they—I knew I mattered. We—it <clears throat> matters. Why would Jesus go to such outrageous extremes? Why would he dare risk losing this super religious crowd, these people who are following him? Why would he dare running some of them off and offend them by dropping the R-bomb in the middle of this thing? Why would he dare do that? Why would he go to such religious outrageous extremes to address how we speak to each other? The reason is because speaking in love is vital to our growth and maturity as believers. Let's look at Ephesians 4 as we wrap this up. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Be built up. Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature. There are believers who are not under this roof with us that we're in perfect unity with right now. Flow with fine. Sadly, there are some believers that are not under this roof that find themselves in disunity with other believers in our community. And the thing that comes down to is what it comes down to is the reason that these different denominational people, when they get together and talk about the scriptures, it's not so much that we disagree, it's how we disagree. It's the fact that we talk about these issues. And when I tell you you're wrong, I tell you you're wrong like you're an idiot. I tell you you're wrong like you just, there's no way you could ever properly understand the Bible. I tell you wrong, like I'm like I'm appalled that you could view the scriptures that way. And all of a sudden it doesn't matter that we view the scriptures a little different. You just flat don't like me because of this. And when it's all said and done, that's the tension. That's for us to be able to move towards a place of unity, it's not about getting on the same page theologically. It's about getting on the same page of love. And we get on the same page of love and the rest of it will work itself out. Because some stuff matters and stuff, some stuff just doesn't. It isn't as big a deal. We can disagree on a few little things. As long as we have Jesus to get right, we can disagree on some other little extraneous stuff. And it's okay. We can still be unified. We can still walk together, do life together. We can. We should. Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature oh we want to be mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ and the fullness of christ is that christ fully loves every piece of his body he fully loves every person who's called on him whether our theology is jacked up or not he fully loves us so our full maturity is the same thing to fully love Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by what? What is jacking us over? What's messing us up? Every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. The stuff that comes in and begins to root out the love. Instead... Take all of that stuff and then we drop the big word instead here. This is what we do to avoid all that and to be able to be what we're supposed to be. Speaking the truth in love. You can talk about anything. You and your spouse can talk about anything. The most difficult conversations you have to have. You and your parents, you and your person that you're woe-do with. You can talk about anything in the atmosphere of love. You can get through anything in love. Speaking the truth in love. And we grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is the Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. How is each part doing its work? By speaking the truth in love. That's it. Our main interaction with each other is communication. If we can do that in love, we can grow and mature. We take that out, it doesn't matter how wise and how intelligent we are. we're jacking the whole thing up. You can be completely right and completely wrong simultaneously. You can have everything understood and you 're saying it, and you 're being such a jerk while you're saying it, you're doing no good. First Thessalonians 5:11. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. I honestly felt a little like preaching to the choir this morning. Because I feel about Celebration Church like Paul feels about the church in Thessalonia. I love to watch y'all interact. I love it. I love to be a fly on the wall and be around here and watch y'all love on each other and encourage one another and interact. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people talk about that they love Celebration Church and connected with Celebration Church quick. It had nothing to do with somebody up there talking, and had some to do with the really cool music, and and but had mostly to do had mostly to do with the fact that they just felt loved and accepted. And that's not from us. That's not from me. That's from you. That's from you. So I want to encourage you. This isn't a slap on the wrist. This is saying you're, you're doing it right. Keep doing it right. Keep Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. You're doing it. It's making a difference in the community and making a difference in lives. Just keep doing it. See, Jesus' love for us is completely outrageous, and let's live outrageous lives that point people to the outrageous hope that we have in Him, that's what this is about. I want to create a quiet moment right here. That if you <clears throat> here this morning and you recognize that this Christianity thing wasn't about buying into some new religion and a list of things of how to do life better, but you recognize that it is an understanding that Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised again, according to the scriptures. That <clears throat> what Jesus accomplished was something none of us could ever do, and that's to make us right with God. And we're right with God completely by what Jesus did, and we place our faith in that. And if that's you this morning, you want to just say, that's mine. I believe that Jesus did that for me. I want you to just raise your hand, and we're going to pray with you. If that's you, wouldn't you just raise your